the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight for my monster. You're listening to 66.6 FM Radio TOVH The Flush. Well, hey there, everybody. Judging by those sweet, sweet sounds, it's another edition of the October Spooktacular. It's been a long, horrible summer, but we're finally here. We're finally in time for cooler weather, and most importantly, enjoying the the finest fruits that the fall has to offer. I'm Joe Thrashenkill, joined, of course, by the seasonal appropriate 365 Days of Horror, or as I like to call him, Jordan. Jordan, how are you? I am good. When you get to my door, tell them Boris sent you. We are joined by a very special guest, as we always are, uh, for every edition of the October Spooktacular this month. Our first guest today, very good one. We've got Liz from the Fright Cat podcast, the Chattanooga Film Festival, and all manner of other delightful horror entertainment creations. Liz, how are you? Hey, woohoo! It's great to be here. We're very pleased to have you. Um, let's, uh, let, let's go ahead and dive into this a little bit. The Fright Cat podcast for folks that are not familiar. You want to tell them a little bit about it? Sure. Uh, that started as, uh, my husband, Brandon and I, who, um, he's the bass player for silent horror, uh, horror punk band. Uh, we started doing these, uh, just kind of up all night type reviews or just talks in our bed on YouTube. And that's just branched into a podcast and uh, we're putting those out every Friday. Uh, it's all horror and um, spooky related material, uh, subject matter. And uh, we also have a special guest correspondent, Stiletto Thunderkiss, who is an excellent burlesque dancer. Uh, she is from Canada. She is uh, one of my idols, actually. So it's an honor to have her on the show. And uh, she happens to be a horror aficionado. So we've pulled her in as well. Most excellent. Uh, Can you give us uh, some recent recommendations, things you guys have seen and you loved? Not to toot my own horn, but (laughs) uh, Chattanooga Film Festival had some really amazing horror picks for this year. And I'm going to say number one is Trim Season. And if you haven't seen that film it's available for streaming soon or it might be now i'm not quite sure where it's at for distribution um but it it is a it is a weed themed horror film which sounds like it's going to be like something of the ridiculous (laughs) you know killer bong evil bong yeah (laughs) right right it's not a charles band joint it is (laughs) It is just so beautifully um, directed, and there's some some amazing, just an ensemble cast, great villain. Um, I can't recommend that enough. And uh, also Murder Size, uh, is <laughs> A&P Films, who I absolutely love, uh, was uh, uh, formerly on, uh, co-host of the Late Night Ghouls podcast, and we had them on. They are uh, Angie and Paul. AMP Films are a uh, filmmaking, horror making couple, and everything that they do is is an ode uh, to something nostalgic, something nostalgic for both of them. And um, this is a an exercised '80s themed horror movie uh, starring Kansas Bowling. If you guys are familiar with her, 
And I would recommend Murder Size um, on my deathbed to everyone because it works <laughs> on a on a comedy horror level. It, it works on a on a nostalgia level. It's just it's an excellent fun ride. I, I saw a a preview for Murder Size, and it really reminded me uh, of like uh, maybe a. a, a f- jokier version definitely much campier version of like death spa uh which is one of yeah. my personal favorites and that was one of their um heavy influences too on this film i believe uh for anybody that's not seen death spa i mean it's probably on every single platform available for free right now like come on get it together Watch right that. i believe it's on tubi murder size is also on tubi i know that for sure truly god's platform <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. Like, what can you not find on Tubi? I, I've been sh- shocked by some of the recent things I've seen. They're just like completely forgotten. Uh, you know, like th- this thing I saw the other day where um, it was a 1978 movie starring uh, Dom DeLuise and Burt Reynolds, in which Burt Reynolds is trying to kill himself. And, uh, it's, uh, you know, he keeps failing every time. It's like, how the fuck did this get made? It's, de- <laughs> it's delightful. <laughs> it's a really great movie. <laughs> I've got to look that up because I have no I, I have no idea of this. It's uh, called The End. Highly, highly recommend. Of course, it's on Tubi. Everything's on Tubi. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, so, yes, uh, I'm looking forward to checking out uh, Murder Size. That sounds delightful. Uh, I wanted to ask you as well, because, uh, you know, I, it's it's established on the show that uh, I'm a big fan and Jordan tolerates uh, the, uh, the trauma-verse. <laughs> Uh, I've been burned by too many trauma movies. That's, that's why I'm a little well, that's, Yeah, that, that's part of the ride. And I don't know. I guess it just takes a certain kind of, from, I don't know, schmuck to, yeah, <laughs> to appreciate that, I guess. Uh, please, will you let us know a little bit about your connection to the Traumaverse? Sure. Um, so I became friends with John Brennan who, if you guys are familiar with The Last Drive-In, does the music uh, for Last Drive-In. And um, he got uh, me in touch with Lloyd Kaufman, who was on a podcast uh, with me. And uh, from that, it turns out that I I wasn't even aware of it, but there were so many people in the the trauma family right here where I'm at in middle Tennessee and these folks were reaching out to me and they were like wow I've been to your burlesque shows and uh, you know I'm your fan and I'm like wow I'm your fan what a great connection (laughs) yeah and uh, I I, uh, built a relationship with Ben Johnson a friendship He, he is amazing and he just directed Curse of the Were Deer and through Ben Johnson I met Big Dan Stubblefield who, if you guys aren't familiar with him, uh, he is Big Dan of Big Dan's Original Barbecue here in uh, Middle Tennessee. I just know that's got to be good as hell, right? <laughs> He's, it's so bad. Anybody named like Big Dan, Big you know, Dan. you're probably yeah. in for something good. It, it is the he he is the best cook. My husband prefer like when we get dishes for big from Big Dan. He, his, my husband's face just lights up and I'm like, why the hell don't you do that when I cook things? <laughs> like Big Dan brings things and you're like, yes. Well, that's what uh, you have to cook food and say it's from Big Dan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, wink, wink. And it's just bland and terrible. <laughs> I assure you it's from Dan. Uh, but Dan and I have become really good friends. Dan and I and Brandon, uh, my husband, have become really good friends. And we do a podcast on the uh, on Troma's Fantasy Shed network of podcasts uh which includes 
totally tunular, I can't say it, which uh, is Nicole Matteris, who is an executive producer on so many films I couldn't name, and an actress with a trauma. And um, Jasmine Hanks, who is an actress with trauma. Uh, and there's so many people involved in this this fantasy shed network, but on um, for for hours, get back to mine on on fantasy shed uh, with Big Dan and my husband and Jasmine and Ben. It's called Eat with Your Eyes, hmm. and we all watch a film together. And Big Dan creates a dish based on that film. So he also gives out the recipe. John Brennan has written an amazing song uh, for for Big Dan about his meatloaf that <laughs> you guys need to to find because it's it's wonderful. Um, I'm going but, to yeah. I'm going to go ahead and play a clip of that right here, just so everybody can understand uh, what we're talking about. <laughs> Big Dan, Big Dan, he's got moist meatloaf. Big Dan, he's got that moist meatloaf. Excellent, excellent tune. <laughs> yeah, John, John is the best. And uh, anybody that can appreciate Big Dan in, in that respect and pay his, pay their dues to Big Dan in song, like they <laughs> he, he earned every every bit of respect from me with that song. That is excellent. Now, as we do uh, with every edition of the October Spectacular on the show, we ask our guest to pick out a movie for us. What did you bring us for this one? I brought you uh, 1986's Trick or Treat, also known as Ragman. So, uh, Jordan, had you had you seen this one before? I have seen it a, a few times. I've actually reviewed it on the website many years ago, like six or seven years ago. And uh, to take it back a little bit earlier to a conversation about how Tubi is great and Tubi has everything, Tubi doesn't have this movie. <laughs> Apparently, for whatever reason, we are in Halloween season. This movie was not streaming anywhere. I it had to so go. Sense. I had to go to my library and get a DVD from them, and it wasn't even like a good special edition DVD. <laughs> it was just the movie. There wasn't even like closed captioning. It's like this is all you get, and it has the classic DVD cover on it. That has nothing to do with the movie because it is like a modern picture of Gene Simmons and a modern picture of Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, brutal, brutal. So that's what I own. That's the copy that I own. And it's like a 2003 picture of Gene Simmons yeah, on the front and, and a 2003 picture of Ozzy who has all of maybe three seconds, four seconds screen yep. time in this film. But that was their selling point. Um, I have no idea why this is out of print, and I wish I knew who owned it. I know it's a it's a Dino De Laurentiis. Um, yeah. It was a Dino De Laurentiis production, but I don't know who owns it. But it, whoever so, I saw recently, I saw recently that it's actually going to get like a full Blu-ray release. Hell yeah! As a matter of fact, uh, it's going to be they're doing a, a release at the Texas Theater, the theater where you know Lee Harvey Oswald was arrested uh, <laughs> while watching a movie uh, here next month. But that doesn't help me now. So I spent more money to see this movie than I've ever sent, uh, spent to see a movie. I uh, bought a VPN package so that I could watch this from Malaysia on YouTube. Wow. 
Holy hell. So, uh, you folks out there, uh, if you want to watch this and you don't have a copy at your local library and you're not willing to spend, I think, $70 to get a 2003 print of the DVD or wait to get the re-release from Shout Factory... Tune your VPN to Malaysia and go to YouTube and type in Trick or Treat 1986. You can watch it. <laughs> Good God. I am so sorry. No, that's actually, this is something I've been planning to do for a while. I've got a lot of pirating to catch up on. So, you know, this is <laughs> <laughs> the kick in the butt I needed to do it. Uh, so I, I will say that uh, after watching this, it makes total sense why you picked this movie of all movies for us, because this... This is uh this is in the sweet spot of the toilet of hell, including the toilet, and we can we can kind of get to that. Um, <laughs> d- would you mind giving us just a brief overview? What is Trick or Treat? Okay, uh, this is um, we'll say ni- 1986 was the the height of the the Satan in your record player mm-hmm. era, you know. So we've gone through all of these. Uh, Uh, accusations of suicide from heavy metal and uh the the influence the tipper gore era of the pmrc yeah and yeah uh, uh, all the false memories and things like that uh that that satan was definitely hiding out within your vinyl records which is kind of neat he was yeah i I wish he i wish he wasn't mine but he (laughs) he hasn't shown up yet so strangely charles martin smith (laughs) directs this film uh, who I know, um, who you guys probably know from American Graffiti. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's <laughs> that's, like, that's one of the strangest things, like the, the movie about how it's, how it's so fun to be a baby boomer. <laughs> right, right. This, this wholesome um, Ron Howard just thing. And then here we are, trick or treat. So it's, it's, a, it's a very relatable story as a metalhead in any era of being a metalhead because you have... Eddie Weinbauer, uh, played by Mark Price, played by Skippy, uh, from Family Ties. Hell yeah! <laughs> and he's picked on. You see it uh, there. These there's bullies at high school. You know, you're a dweeb, you're a metalhead, loser, and he idolizes this musician, Sammy Kerr. And that that's his everything. He's like, Sammy Kerr went to my high school. He made it through here. He became this huge rock star. If I could just make it through, you know, just do it like Sammy Kerr. And Sammy Kerr dies. Yeah. Um, so so we're, we're established like at the, the very beginning of this film um, that uh, Eddie Weinbauer or Ragman, as uh, he calls himself and sometimes his <laughs> friends call him, uh, he's, he's, you know, enduring just... Extremely uh, funny teenage humiliation, <laughs> just uh, one instance after another of like the jocks and stuff bu- uh, bullying him relentlessly. So he's he's kind of writing his own like stand letters to to Sammy Kerr, like you know, uh, who needs these uh, brain deads and airheads? Like you're all I need. Uh, Jordan, what did you make of the the hero worship there established at the beginning? Oh, at the very beginning of the movie to establish that Eddie is a heavy metal fan. We get like a panning of his room with all the posters of like Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Ozzy Osbourne. And I found it funny because uh, the music throughout the movie is all done by the band Fastway. And as we're seeing these shots of like super famous bands, we get music by Fastway. Yeah. It's like getting uh, pictures of filet mignon and lobster and then someone handing you a chicken sandwich from McDonald's. (laughs) Oh, Fassity Clark, though. 
I do like the music, but it's just kind of like Ozzy Osbourne, Motley Crue. <laughs> That's why. The the very beginning um, sequence of him tearing down when they're playing tearing down the walls and he's tearing down the posters. My heart breaks. I was just thinking the same thing. Like that's uh, all of that junk that you know he was tearing off the walls. Like is just incredibly uh, pricey collectors items now. Insane. <laughs> Even his his album collection. Oh seriously, like the original pressings of like the Megadeth debut record, all of that stuff. Like wow, like that's. <laughs> That's worth, did, some, that's worth some money. <laughs> yeah, and they hit it with a baseball bat and uh, tore the, the posters in half. It's heartbreaking to watch as an adult. Um, so, you know, we've got uh, we've got Eddie, you know, dealing with the, the hell it is being uh, a weirdo kid in high school. And uh, as he's, you know, his one source of hope is this Sammy Kerr and cut to... Uh, you know, Eddie turning on the news and seeing, you know, uh, footage of Sammy really giving it to Tipper Gore, the, you know, it's false so universe, Tipper Gore equivalent, uh, you know, saying like uh, uh, the congressman grilling him, saying like, you know, how how would you explain this to, to, to my children? It's like, how would you explain to your children that you're a politician? It's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I love that the cut on the the television too when it's paused when, yes. when it shows his death because you know he's doing the we will bring you down man and then they're like Sammy Kerr dead and they give the the date and the snarl the oh ridiculous snarl that Tony Fields is making is so ridiculous like that's just so absurd I, I will but tell it, you that's probably love it so that's much. probably my favorite part of the movie just like smashing your face against the wall like <laughs> just out of nowhere <laughs> Sammy Kerr dead. <laughs> And they established that uh, Sammy was going to play at the high school. Yes. Uh, and they weren't going to let him do it prior to his death, which was a fire at his hotel room. Yes. So I, I, I think it's, you know, it's an interesting plot device. Like uh, Sammy Curry, this big rock star, who, yeah, a shock shock, if you will. Like there's footage of him like ripping apart a snake with his mouth and like pouring the <laughs> blood all over himself. <laughs> Uh, but like the thing that he wants more than anything and the thing that the man won't let him do is to play the high school Halloween party at the high school he went to like when he was a teenager. It's like, <laughs> well, you're a 38 year old man. You should probably let it go by now. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, it's, a, it's an important plot devo- plot device regardless. So cut down in his prime. The man got to him as he said he would not allow to happen. They got him. And poor, poor Eddie Ragman Weintraub, he is, he's just completely despondent over this. And that leads to him, of course, destroying his priceless collection of early heavy metal ephemera. (laughs) No, it's so, um, I, it, it sounds really lame for me to say this because this film is so ridiculous in its own right, but now again now watching it like when i i was way too young to watch this film when i did because i have a sister who's significantly older than me who was a metalhead so she was in her late teens and like i'm just starting elementary school oh <laughs> you know so so i had exposure to this film from her copy of the film and from her love of of kiss and judas priest and and Black Sabbath and Ozzy and everything. So I, I knew this film and so I knew it 
didn't really understand it until I got older and I went through like the death of my heroes. I went through the death of Lane Staley mm-hmm. and I went through the death of like just Kurt Cobain and I felt this and I feel it now watching it as absurd as it is and as overacted as it is. We, we all do that at that like those are our heroes. We don't know them, which is scary. Like yeah. we know nothing about these people, but those are our heroes and the people that we idolize. And I, every time I watch that, I feel so bad for Eddie. Well, I mean, it's not just that. Like he immediately has to go back to high school and just get the shit kicked out of him by these awful other kids. So by Doug this... Savant from Mel- Melrose Place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that <laughs> is him. Heck? Uh, we have uh, a scene where he's, you know, in in the locker room, uh, and his tormentors take his cassette tape from him uh, and throw it out the door. He goes to grab it. They snatch the towel off of him. He's naked in uh, the gymnasium in front of the girls' uh, volleyball team. And what could make that even worse? One of the girls pulls out a Polaroid. Ooh, it's so bad. It's so bad, and you feel it in your soul. What did, what did you think about the uh, the bullying there, Jordan? I thought it was kind of like a theme throughout the rest of the movie is that adults are not present. Not even Or, <laughs> you know, not invested in young people uh, in any sort of way. They're just authority or they are just kind of brain dead airheads yep. who don't know what's going on and can't help anyone. So it is kind of uh, bringing up the point of Eddie being alone and being by himself. Other than his friend Roger, who may in fact be like a forty-year-old accountant, um, <laughs> just kind of a theme throughout the movie too is that. That's a phys- and this was eighties movies in general that everyone was not actually high school age. Well, that's like his friend Roger. That's like a phenotype that I don't think exists anymore. <laughs> like it's just yeah. some kids in the eighties. You see them on TV. It's like, oh, you're already middle-aged. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Roger. Poor Roger. Um, he, well, he also has his friend Nuke, uh, the, uh, the radio DJ. I know I was writing down notes, like while watching this film, I just see a close up of a, a mouth on a microphone talking like a dickhead. I wrote down the words talking like a dickhead. Oh, it's Gene Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a good role for him because it wasn't a stretch. It wasn't like heavy lifting acting. No, I, I can't imagine that. Can you imagine Gene in a dramatic role? You know, they wanted him for Sammy Kerr. I am so glad that they didn't do that because the fella that they did get, uh, you know, I, I was a Tony Fields. God bless Tony Fields. I, he just is a great physical presence that Gene mm-hmm. Simmons just could not possibly do. <laughs> uh, we could have gotten Gene Simmons doing like pirouettes like Tony does on stage. <laughs> So Tony was a dancer. That's his move. That's his thing. Like he uh, yeah. he moves like a dancer in this, and he has a great physical presence. Like the dude was built. <laughs> he was built to be on solid gold, and he was built to be Sammy Kerr. Yeah, I mean, he was in both the videos for Beat It and Thriller, which I think is the closest you can be to like being a god in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the, his, his role as Sammy is great here. He has a good menacing streak to him. And again, like he's, uh, he's a swole guy. You need your villain to be swole. That's important to me. <laughs> for sure. Um, so yeah, instead Gene Simmons, we settle for him being a, a grown man. Who's a DJ who's 
oddly very, very close to Eddie. Um, you know, he's uh, they're bonding over the death of, of Sammy and uh, Gene Simmons gifts Eddie the only copy, I think the only copy in existence uh, of vinyl copy of the last song ever recorded by Sammy Kerr that is as yet unreleased. Songs in the key of death. Pretty fucking tight. <laughs> so, like, I want an album with that title one day. Um, which, you know, uh, that's a that's a pretty uh, nifty gift, I would say. That's that's pretty neat. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how Gene Simmons came about having the only copy of this or why he gave it to a random, you know, high schooler. But that's that's pretty neat. <laughs> well, they they briefly mentioned that uh, Nuke and Sammy were classmates. Ah. So conceivably, maybe Nuke was like, Sammy is Roger. They were just two ah. misfit metalheads, and Eddie is Nuke sees something in Eddie that he's maybe saw in himself, and there's that camaraderie, and he knows that they were sending letters to each other, connection. So, I mean, you know, obviously plot device, moving it along. But sure. There we go. There's some plausible background as to why this forty-something-year-old man is giving a special unreleased record to a 16-year-old. Well, I mean, it seems irresponsible with the way that they're really pawing at this fucking thing, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, you're getting your fingerprints all over it. <laughs> um, but rest assured, Nuke has made a cassette copy of it, so that that we don't have any worries about that as a, a problematic plot device anymore. He can paw it all he wants. We, ha- we still have it recorded. The big plan is for Nuke to play this unreleased Sammy Kerr song on the radio at midnight on Halloween as he had initially requested. So, uh, pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. Um, our, our boy, um, Eddie Ragman, uh, he, uh, he's at school. The girl he's pining after Leslie invites him to a pool party, which, um, again, if I, given the context that we're, we're given about how relentlessly bullied, uh, Eddie is, I don't know that I would have accepted that invitation. How about you guys? Probably no not. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, are you going to the pool party? He's like, what? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Sure. I'm going, <laughs> uh, which of course leads predictably to disaster. Um, you Where they try to murder him. They do kind of try to murder him a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I, I think is a, a trope that was fairly common uh, in, in 80s films. Uh, maybe things were just a little bit more dangerous back then, but uh, children are much more likely to murder their uh, friends and classmates in these films. For sure. It, it, it's a, a, it makes you despise that bully even more. Like, even when... Uh, Eddie is, is trying to help the bullies at points in this film or the bully in points of this film. Um, you just, you want him to, to go. You're ready for him to go. So, um, you know, it, while waiting for Leslie to show up, the uh, trove of uh, bullies, uh, you know, one of the girls is like, why are you so fucking weird? Which I, <laughs> it was an oddly direct thing to ask, I guess. I don't know how you answer that one. <laughs> I don't know. And man. He, he doesn't. You know, she's just like, what are you talking about? She's like, if you were a little bit less creepy, you'd know that you were creepy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like your whole style is shit. You suck. Like your core is bad. Like maybe the most cutting thing this woman could say to him. And in the meantime, uh, one of the other bullies throws a weight in his backpack and tosses him in the pool. Like, 
so bad. Pretty extreme. Uh, he is rescued by uh, his crush Leslie, though. But at the you know by the time he comes out, he's inconsolable, and uh, storms home. Uh, he spends the only existing vinyl copy of Sammy Kerr's final song, and given what we've described here, of course he's going to hear subliminal messages. Like, what are you stupid? Come on. <laughs> Yeah, he plays it backwards. Again, this is the only copy, just scratching the just shit out of it. Just destroying this thing, you fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like he uh, he hears some backwards talk uh, and he sees uh, visions of a burning house with Sammy Kerr in the middle of a, a burning circle. And he's like, oh, that's fucking, that's awesome. Um, with people in flames behind him running around. Yes. Right. And this is like really the only indication of like what actually happened to Sammy. It's I don't think it's ever really referenced again, is it? I don't believe it is. No. No. Um. So the 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 message that he hears is garbled backmasking, but eventually there's a clear thing that says, "Uh, they're the big fish, you're the bait, something like that." Let the big fish hook themselves. Uh, you're the bait. The bait exactly. is you. So he uh, goes back to school the next day and immediately starts home aloning his bullies uh, <laughs> through a, se- a series of improbable traps. <laughs> it's very slapstick. It's very Three Stooges. Like you expect somebody to walk through with a pane of glass or something. <laughs> or get a pie in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, lots of lots of great action in this particular scene. I, I really uh, this is one of my favorite things in the film as well. Like uh, you know, culminating all of this, uh, his bullies looking, his bullies looking like absolute dullards, culminating in uh, the primary antagonist uh, bursting into a room with a fire fire extinguisher to get uh, Eddie, and instead it's the teacher's lounge, and he he hoses down the teaching staff. Uh, just big. Big mistake for that fella. Uh, Poor Weinbauer. I know. Uh, what, what did you think about that one, Jordan? Was that was that up your alley? Was that too too slapstick for you? It was very eighties. Very much so. <laughs> but yeah, like Rube Goldberging your revenge against your bullies, but not enough to like avenge your attempted murder. Just kind of like make them look stupid and wet, which is a decent revenge, I suppose, for a someone who was just relentlessly bullied for being a nerd. Um, it's okay. It's something. I guess it's better than what would probably happen in real life. Oh, you know, like now he's definitely bringing a gun to school. Yeah. Like, right. uh, <laughs> um, but it, no, this is a, it's, it's much more lighthearted fare, thankfully, at least for now. And it pretty gets kind of dark immediately afterwards though. <laughs> um, the next day at school, uh, Eddie shows up uh, wearing an extremely badass Alternative Tentacles t-shirt. I don't know if you caught that, Jordan. Hell yeah. <laughs> I did, and I let it slide, even though it's not technically heavy metal, because it's such a good logo. <laughs> yeah, the, one of the best. We love we love Jello Biafra. Um, Same. He's so he's he, he has another vision here from from Sammy. What is the what is the voice telling him for this? It's uh, so, something like sc- Skull Crush, isn't it right? 666 Crush or 66 Crush or something to that effect. So it's the, the number of the room. Yeah, which in this case, I think is shop class. Um, Eddie shows up to shop class, an empty room is jamming out 
on his Walkman to the cassette uh, that was, you know, dubbed over with the final song uh, as his antagonist comes in. And, uh, you know, it's uh, they're immediately like insanely violent with him. Like they just knock the shit out of him they out of his just chair. They knock him down. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they um, jump quickly to almost murder. Yeah, like he starts <laughs> throwing larger and larger wrenches like directly next to his head at him. It's uh, very uncomfortable very quickly. Just because they, Eddie got them wet and, you know, they sprayed teachers with a fire extinguisher. That's yeah. capital murder offense right there. Well, in 1986. Yeah. Uh, and th- thankfully, through the power of uh, electricity-based necronomology or something like that. <laughs> I think that's... And the bad tie. Yeah. In uh, a bad tie, um, his uh, his bully, his, uh, his necktie is pulled into a machine, which I think would probably... You know, decapitate him immediately. But for sure, uh, instead, a, a drill uh, inches closer and closer to his skull. He's demanding, you know, pleading with Eddie, please stop the machine. Eddie lets it go on for a pretty good amount of time there, kind of letting him <laughs> soak in it a little bit uh, before, you know, stopping the power to the machine right before it's about to bore through his skull. And, you know, rather than, like, you know, thanking him for not letting me die in front of you, he's like, I'll, I'll get you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What, what did you think about the skull crushing? I think um, it, it's, it's very harsh, and it's harsh to see Eddie Weinbauer, like, he let it go almost to the extreme. Like, you don't want him to cross that dark side. Yeah. You know, so uh, even w- when I watched this as a kid, you know, I, I'm like, no, Eddie, no, don't do it. <laughs> but but again, he literally like Doug Savant literally like throws Eddie down, like to the point of he's concussed. Yeah. At, you know, like just it, it's. It's terrible. So you're almost just rooting for him equally at the same time. Do it. Go ahead and get rid of him. Follow what uh, Sammy Kerr's telling you to do. Yeah, I yeah, I <clears throat> he kind of deserves it. I think it'd be fun. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, this you know this cassette like it's uh, it starts really kind of taking over. It uh, has a, a mind of its own, and uh, you know Eddie you know is uh, is not uh, not thrilled that uh, he's been threatened again. So he's he's still committed to kind of getting over on these bullies. Um, he uh, he gives uh, he gives this guy a, a gift a, a solid gold cassette with a copy of uh, that song you know it was a peace mm-hmm. offering essentially uh, and it goes uh, awry it goes very awry so that's this is where things get when you're a kid you don't realize what's going on now I do realize what's going on and I'm like <laughs> ooh this was not good for Lori Laughlin like. Granted, did she just serve like if my memory serves me correctly? She just served some jail time. Yeah, for like like, bribing (laughs) colleges to get her kids into schools. To get her kids into school, paying them off. So, um, did that need to happen? No. Was was that totally unnecessary in this story? Yes. But did it give us a Kevin Yeager giant puppet demon? Yes. So you know the the benefits outweigh the bad there. Jordan, can you give a brief overview of this scene? 
Thank you for letting me do it. Um, <laughs> the bully and his girlfriend go to a makeout point yes. or whatever have you, somewhere a secluded area, to sit in their car and to make out. And uh, the bully leaves as he, I think he's kind of drunk, uh, and goes, I assume, to relieve himself. And yeah. in the meantime, mm-hmm. the girlfriend puts on his headphones that has, and puts the cassette tape in that Eddie gave to him and listens to the song where she is immediately turned on uh, to the point where uh, she starts to touch herself and her clothes start to undress themselves as a green cartoony mist envelops her (laughs) and begins to fondle her to the point where I would assume like a typo negative song was playing. But uh, in this case, like, and again, these are supposed to be high school students, so it's a little weird seeing it, but it, she does become undressed, and when she finally opens her eyes, there is a horrific, horrible puppet demon lusting after her, <laughs> and then the bully comes back, and she is passed out to the point where the headphones have like melted her ears. Yeah, um, I suppose at this point we can go ahead and say that uh, the spirit uh the the superpower of sammy kerr the demon is electricity he's an electricity based demon is that would do you say that's accurate which is weird because he died by fire he did die by fire but (laughs) but like he's a rock and roll guy so like he used electricity unlike everyone else you know he should have died by electricity. Yeah, that might have been a, you know, we had to get the script turned in. We didn't really think it through that bad. Uh, or, or they had to have like a really cool burn, you know, his, yeah. his face had to be really cool. Yeah, that is true. His face is really cool in this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, wh- whoever they hired to animate the blue electricity lines all over everything, they were working their ass off on this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The blue electricity and that that green fog. It's yeah. very Scooby Doo green fog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so <clears throat> uh, at, at this point, uh, we have our brief uh, three second uh, Ozzy Osbourne cameo. Uh, Liz, <laughs> would you like to tell us a little bit about him? Uh, Ozzy is a minister who is very upset with the heavy metal music of today. So he's featured on this this news show. On, on the television and uh, Tony Fields, as Sammy Kerr reaches through the television and grabs him, you know, to kill him. Yeah, he manages to give him an aneurysm through the television, which is very <laughs> impressive. Um, I know we said that, like, Gene Simmons had a few seconds of screen time. He had minutes compared to Ozzy, who I think had, like, three lines. It was good. It fit with him very well. He played that right. part well. But I think that's all you're going to get out of him. I mean, Ozzy's bit is great, where he's pretending to be like a morally concerned preacher man. Uh, he's like, "What? What is this song? The lyrics are: I've got a, a massive metal penis and going inside your love tunnel. What does that mean?" Okay, he's like, "What happened to I love you?" <laughs> and then he immediately gets owned, which I, you know, out of everything that we've seen Ozzy in, this is this is going up there in the short list of my favorite uh, performances. <laughs> Well, the thing about the puppet that was in the car, and I, I've had this feeling since I've seen the movie before, that's the only time we really see anything like that happen. Later on, we do see, like, Sammy manifest himself in his human body, but 
why in that one scene do we get that other right. than like we want to have a spooky looking puppet in it? It doesn't make much sense at all. And I can appreciate the puppet just on a on an effects mm -hmm. level, on a practical effects level. But to be honest, like you guys, you know, like the face of that demon is not very threatening. It, it, it kind of looks like uh, kind of looks derpy. It is a little like goofy. A, like yeah. blue leaves almost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's that's if I could if there was anything about this film that I could, you know, go back and say, Hey Kevin Yeager, you might need to <laughs> you might need to omit this part or you might need to change shake this up. It might be that puppet. As much as I love it. Well, yeah, there there aren't a ton of moments of really, you know, really fun practical effects like that. I, I appreciate that. And the the other bit that I uh, I really enjoyed was when, um, you know, Sammy starts uh, manifesting uh, demonic energy in Eddie's room, and you get, for example, the hands and the demon's face like coming through the speaker grill in his, uh, mm -hmm. his stereo, uh, very much like the Frighteners that. Uh, the Peter Jackson movie, yeah, uh, and it's super tight. But again, you don't get you don't get a ton of those moments, unfortunately. Um, where where do we go from there, Jordan? Where where do we take this? Uh, so uh, at this point, Eddie is kind of freaked out by all the things that have been happening, and he kind of he wants to like end his relationship with Sammy, like end their pact of nailing all of the bullies to the wall and mm -hmm. showing them what's what. So he tries to get out of it and sammy actually shows up in his room like through his stereo through electricity and he warns eddie like don't you don't go back on our pact you know don't betray your heroes don't break the oath and uh, yeah pretty much don't break the oath and eddie tries to like he smashes up his records he smashes up his stereo and we get his clueless mom like knocking <laughs> on the door <laughs> and uh, Eddie tries to like explain it away. And isn't oh the stereo is talking through his voice saying like, come, you know, it's OK, mom, come in my room. And he's like, no, mom, please don't. And uh, his mom's like, yeah, I think you need an Advil. I'm going to make you some soup. <laughs> he just needs a Pepsi. All he wanted just was one a Pepsi. Pepsi. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, the demonic uh sammy kerr you know demands like you must play uh this this song at midnight uh, everyone needs to hear it at midnight uh, because it's clear now that he is trying to uh manifest physically in the world and this will this will help do it um which probably says something about i don't know celebrity or media consumption but uh, i don't know that the movie cares enough to like get that deep into it what do you what do you think yeah, i don't think there's a deep moral or social commentary uh, in this movie there's a little bit just with being the bullied metalhead but it's not like a romero film well i mean strictly speaking if you take the film at its word the pmrc is right <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you don't see too many Tipper Gore was right t-shirts. <laughs> Dude, we can make a mint making those. Let's do that. <laughs> Just sell them at Christian Revival Festivals. Oh, man. I On my walk with the dogs this morning, I no shit found a chick tract in Spanish. <laughs> it's like, how are these still around? <laughs> well, they crop up every Halloween. There's always that one house that gives out those and bags of pennies. Oh, the worst. Um, so... Uh, 
Eddie himself, he, he gets grounded. Uh, so, you know, he's going to have trouble, uh, playing, playing this music for everybody. Uh, and, uh, Sammy is not, not, none too pleased about this. Um, he's, he's, uh, Eddie asks his friend, uh, the aforementioned 40 year old teenager, uh, Roger to, to destroy this tape so that it's not, uh, not a malign influence on the youth of America. Uh, and, uh, and poor Roger just, um, you know, he's, He's intercepted mm-hmm. by Sammy. Liz, what, what, what happens here with Roger? So uh, Roger gets a visit from Sammy Kerr. And uh, he tells him, you're going to play this. You're going to play it for me. You're going to get it out. And Roger's, he, he has to or he's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> so he he complies. Um, there's, uh, again, uh, more, more scenes of uh, electrical-based violence, uh, which is always good. Um, Jordan, uh, I believe that he tells, um, Roger tells Eddie, yeah, I found the tape, you know, I destroyed it, but, uh, you know, that's, that's not exactly what happened, was it? No, Roger listened to the tape. The moron? He was a a bad friend, and he listened to the evil tape, causing, uh, Sammy to come through the electricity, and one creative thing that I did like in this scene is that, um, Sammy is like, mentally flipping channels to where he lands on the news where it's the newscaster talking about Roger dying. I think she (laughs) mentions like an aneurysm. So I thought that was kind of a creative foreshadowing, but also a good way to threaten someone. I thought that was a pretty interesting. And then there's, she's only in it for one other scene, but this older, uh, like moral majority type woman who talks about the evils of, heavy metal and rock and roll and uh, kissing on the first date. And Sammy somehow rips her out of the TV uh, as a <laughs> charred, tiny corpse. And it, it was similar to like the scene with Ozzy's character where he like somehow hurt them or killed them through the TV. And I always assumed that like none of that was actually happening. It was just Sammy using his powers to scare his victims rather than like Ozzy actually getting his face clawed through the TV. <laughs> uh, Again, I'm I, trying to like rationalize a, a silly horror movie from the 80s. The whole that whole ridiculous scene just tips to the iceberg of ridiculousness when Roger is actually vacuuming her corpse up <laughs> afterwards. Roger is, you know, just a dumb kid. You can't vacuum up a corpse. You have to like put that in a dustbin. Come on. <laughs> Come on, Roger. You got- you got to get the snow shovel out. Yeah. <laughs> Do y'all feel like as uh, as metal purists that when Roger is coming is talking with Sammy Kerr and he says, I have all of your albums and your latest album I love. And I'm just like, fucking poser. <laughs> Shut up, Roger. I feel like that with so many people, and I feel like I project that on Roger at that moment. I mean, look at Roger. He's a herb. You got to, you know, you got to yeah. call it like you see it. <laughs> I think it's like Eddie's his only friend, and Eddie loves heavy metal. So he kind of like just likes the things his friend likes and goes along with it. Like even earlier in the movie when Eddie plays him the song, Roger's just like reading a magazine. He's like, yep, it's thrash and heavy metal. Yep. Ugh. So I think he is actually a poser. Yeah, I know so many of those people. I've known them in, in my lifetime. And that, that <laughs> moment, I'm just like, ugh, poser. 
Yeah, I mean, he's probably more into like D&D and he's probably able to play D&D with his friend Eddie. So he just tolerates the metal because it gets him closer to, you know, whatever, manifesting a level three orc. <laughs> That's my read on it anyway. Um, so, uh, you know, poor Eddie, he's grounded. He can't go to the uh, Halloween party at the school that uh, so much of this action was going to culminate at. Uh, <laughs> instead he's at home uh, where his mom um, fucking killed I think one of the funniest parts of the movie is uh, he opens the door and a uh, skinny bald man middle, middle-aged bald man uh, dressed up like Rambo points an Uzi at him and says die call me scum <laughs> <laughs> who happens to look younger than Roger yeah he, he kind of does um, <laughs> and this is his uh, his mom's date for the night which is just delightful I loved it so much <laughs> me too I, I just found out I don't know if you guys noticed this or not it took me I was uh, yesterday years old when I I was noted or when my husband actually noted this in that scene there's a boom mic that comes yes. into play <laughs> and I, he was like pause it and we went back and we looked again and he goes did you ever notice this boom mic and I said no no that makes it even better it is there's it, a little uh, there's a little orange boom mic that pops in the frame for like 2 seconds at the very top of the screen so good that's always such a special moment when you can just capture just really roughshod filmmaking in the moment. It makes it to the final print. I love it. it it's, <laughs> it's, it's right up there with Cujo where uh, the dog like tries to jump through a window and you could see the handler grabbing its collar and pulling it away. <laughs> I, I know I've brought this movie up before because I think I'm the only person on earth that saw it at the theaters, no less. But Major League 3, the boom mic is in half the scenes. <laughs> Back to the miners. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> I didn't even know that that existed. Yeah, nobody With that you. Yeah, Scott. Like wow. even even Tom Berenger was like, "I'm too good for this shit." <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that's that's neither here nor there. At the uh, the Halloween party at the school, uh, we've got uh, we've got Roger playing the tape, the the rat fink that he is. Uh, so of course it's all over from there. Uh, the uh, the live entertainment for the night is a uh, rock and roll band. Sorry, what is the rock and roll band called? Do you guys remember? It was something real generic, like the ref- refreshments or something like that. <laughs> that was the band I wish I the knew. Theme to King of the Hill. <laughs> uh, I, I, honestly, I wanted to say it was Fatback, but that's like a combination of a, a dumb band you and I talked about in a fast way. <laughs> It was a very generic. The kickers. Name. It was the kickers. Okay, so the the kickers go on stage, uh, and uh, you know immediately their their front man, while he's very loudly tuning through full volume for the crowd, <laughs> uh, suddenly becomes uh, Sammy Kerr, and the shitty guitar tone that he had before is suddenly now hard rocking, and you know like the crowd is into it. It is time for some heavy metal. Um, Jordan, can you describe, you know, his, his presence here? Can you describe the rockin'? Is it of the hard variety? Prior to him showing up, Leslie calls Eddie just to, like, see how he's doing, being Mm -hmm. stuck at home. And Eddie can hear that the song is playing that Roger had put on, and he knows that everyone's in trouble. So he leaves and tries to drive to 
the school. And isn't this at the same time that Sammy like possesses his car? That is correct. Uh, we see probably a good quarter of the budget go into this scene <laughs> uh, with some extreme dr- driving around town. Uh, some extremely good uh, vehicular mayhem, including a, a DIY um, a DIY convertible action. Um, yeah, that this this one is again. We talked about the um, the eighties uh, style uh, slapstick scene. This is this is a movie that could only this is a scene that could only exist in the eighties universe as well. Where the car is chasing down someone dressed as a ghost on their bike. <laughs> yes, exactly. So the car almost kills him until he's able to, uh, I think, like rip the guts out of the car and it stops right teetering on the edge of a bridge. And if you look closely, you could actually see the car is on a jack. Um, but that delays Eddie in getting to the high school. So in the meantime, Sammy does manifest, I believe, through murdering one of the uh, members of the band where his arm reaches through the amp, grabs his face, tosses him. The guitar goes up in the air and Sammy very coolly catches it and starts shredding to the point where like the rest of the band's like, well, I guess we're doing this. They're not too worried about their fellow bandmate. Well, they're rocking. uh, (laughs) You you can't, you can't stop the rocking. It's a lots of shredding guitar work, good dancing, the whole thing. And like the crowd's really into it. I think at one point, a girl in the crowd says, he's even better than the real thing. <laughs> Tony Fields literally does a cartwheel. It's pretty sick. It is. Um, so everybody's rocking, um, but then we get to the solo, which the solo, of course, is so sick that he starts literally killing children with it. <laughs> <laughs> Just those electric blue cartoon bolts shooting out and <laughs> dustifying people well it's so funny like you see uh the first couple of kids get just liquefied by his six solo beams and everyone's like that's awesome and then more start dying and they're like oh no (laughs) (laughs) like oh whoops uh so it's a it's a bedlam as uh as everyone's trying to escape his incredibly killer solo uh, and, uh, from here, like, uh, we have, uh, our bully reappear in the film just as an appropriate time to harass Leslie. Like you have all this shit going on and now you got this guy, uh, sexually and physically here and like, uh, abusing this, this uh, poor girl, uh, which just solidifies what a fucking piece of shit this guy is. For sure. You're ready for him to go. Like yeah. I've been ready for him to go since the beginning of the movie, but now I'm really ready for him to go. It's like, don't like you... He's one of those characters where there's zero redeeming quality. None. Like, I know in mm-hmm. some other movies, like, uh, they'll show a bully, like, having a tough home life or some sort of justification for being like that. None of that for him. He is just a Mm-mm. piece of shit the entire movie. <laughs> um, at this point, uh, the action gets a little hazy. Jordan, can you jog us up to speed where we're going? So, Eddie finally makes his way back to school just in time to try to save Leslie, but at the same time, Sammy shows up and uh, murders the bully. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, which makes Sammy at least an anti-hero, if not a full villain. Um, so they're they're running through the school. I think they have the cassette tape on them. Yes. The evil cassette tape at this point. Um, is, do they end up I'm trying to remember exactly because now I'm forgetting because so, they do end up back at Eddie's house at some point. So uh, they, I, I remember they cut the power 
to the school to try to prevent Sammy from killing more kids with his electrical based attacks. Right, right. Roger Roger's sacrifices only good himself. Yeah. 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 So uh, that's that works temporarily. Um, they then remember that like uh, Nuke Gene Simmons is going to broadcast that tape to everybody at midnight and fuck it's almost midnight so what are you gonna do it's a mad dash to the uh to the uh radio station where they find well, uh, before oh. that before that um the cops try to chase him oh fuck that's they, right <laughs> they run like a block and then give up which pretty accurate portrayal of police at the time very much so uh, but they do end up going back to his house and that's where they find like sammy's weakness yeah. Oh my God. I completely forgot about this. This is the uh, the special connection for us, Jordan. Uh, through uh, I think flinging some shit at him, he somehow <laughs> flinging some shit at Sammy. He somehow uh, ends up with his arm in the toilet, which is uh, you know electricity and water. It's a it's a terrible combination. So he's he's struggling to pull his arm out of this toilet, and uh, <laughs> for good measure, uh, Eddie flushes it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they like throw some trash at him. He trips and his hand falls into the toilet and he's just screaming because electricity and water uh, where Leslie and Eddie run out of the house. And um, I think they end up stealing a police car. So, yeah, um, the cop uh, pulls a taser out and shoots Sammy with it, which, of course, you fool. That will only make him stronger. He is electricity. Uh, he somehow charges back the electricity at the cop, and in a classic bit of Looney Tunesery, uh, you just see a shot of the boots from the ground panning up to, of course, just nothing in the boots, just smoke coming out of them. Uh, the kids, sensing an opportunity, steal the cop car uh, and, you know, uh, start getting up to fun car hijinks in a cop car, like running a red light because they can throw the lights on, which is, I think he says, I've always wanted to do that. Me, me too, man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one thing I would like to note, this cruiser that they're rolling around in, uh, it's, you see a close up of the uh, speedometer, which shows, uh, on the odometer there, the car has like 875,000 miles on it. Did you guys notice this? No. You can't. Yeah, I saw it was a high, it was a really high, uh, odometer. So I assume they just repurposed someone's actual car. I just, they, I don't think they make things like that anymore that you you can almost get a million miles on your car. That's absurd to me. (laughs) Maybe it was like 86,000. No, 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 no. I, I paused it. I counted the digits. <laughs> You're like, am I seeing the correct? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I would like, I have lots of questions for the filmmakers specifically about this car. That's the primary thing that I want to know about. We could just blame it what on oil Sammy's. Were they using? Yeah, that's, that's good. It's really good. I was just going to say, blame it on Sammy's electrical powers messing with the odometer. Ooh. So, uh, you know, uh, Leslie and Eddie, uh, they can concoct a plan here uh, where outside the, the radio station, Eddie asked Leslie to count till 100 and run inside and destroy the tape. And he runs off to try to concoct a plan of his own. Speeding away as fast as he can from the radio station in this cop car, he starts screaming, uh, barbs at Sammy uh, in the air, hoping that he'll hear him and attack him. I think the thing that puts him over the line is that he calls Sammy a wimp. Is that what it was? I can't I can't <laughs> quite remember. I believe so. 
which, you know, you can't call a heavy metal dude a wimp. Of course, that's the worst slur <laughs> in the handbook. Uh, so uh, he, he manifests in the back of the cop car. Thankfully, there's a cage in the way. Clever plan here. It draws him away from the radio station so that he can try to attack Eddie. Eddie, uh, you know. Uh, thinking quickly, knowing of his new weakness of water, pilots this incredibly durable vehicle into the water off the bridge. Uh, which, you know, good if you, if you don't kill yourself in the process. What do, what do you think of the plan, Jordan? Uh, I, I think it's kind of creative, all things considered, because I believe he throws a cassette player in the backseat. And that's how oh, Sammy... That's how he gets is, through the, yeah. ...is able to, like, transfer himself into his presence... But he's stuck in the back seat, which has the cop cage. So that's why he's stuck there and he like can't get through and he's like trying to rip it apart. Uh, it isn't actually mentioned, but it's referenced that Nuke is killed along with like the security guard that was working at the uh, at the radio station. So that's the last we see of Gene Simmons. But uh, as far as getting rid of your electrical supervillain enemy, drive him into the river. That works. Yeah, I mean, it's not bad. Um, I, I forgot that he threw the cassette tape back there because I got to tell you, the rules for how Sammy manifests throughout are pretty unclear to me. <laughs> sure, the, the physics don't really work there. Yeah, um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I think that's an interesting take on it, though. What did you think about the uh, the ending here, Liz? Um, I, for one, love the haunted radio station. Yeah. Like when when everything just flying around and stuff, I think that's just so cool. Like all the electrical energy guarding this tape in the radio station, I thought it was that was definitely a neat effect there. I did, I, th- I did like this one shot where at the end where Eddie kisses Leslie. Behind them is like a mural of a beach. And it's like paradise. I thought that was <laughs> an actual artistic creative decision. Huh. I, I, and I missed that entirely, too. It's a, pearls before swine, man. I've missed that, too, for many years. So the, good job, art direction. Um, the guy that was originally supposed to play um, Sammy Kerr uh, was one Blackie Lawless of Wasp. Can you imagine that one, Jordan? Uh, he does kind of have that Blackie Lawless look and style, especially in 1986. Yeah. Like, this pretty much is Blackie Lawless, but with, like, way better dancing skills. That, way better body, <laughs> like, too. Like, as as far as uh, the performance goes, like, Tony Fields is great. Like, everything's really good and fits in with it well. The s- scarring on his face looks good. He looks like a hair metal guy from that time. My only, like, minor complaint is, like, I'm never really, like, scared of him at any point. Yeah. Yeah, he's... he's uh... Too, I guess, like uh, delightfully flamboyant to be scary. That's that's the way he's I got too it. fantastic for horror. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. But Blackie Lawless, like I think Dungeon Master, and and I think like seeing Wasp live and how he could make those just evil faces for for scariness, he could have been an amazing Sammy Kerr. But I could never imagine anyone now other than Tony Fields. I guess uh, was was this a PG thirteen rated movie? Because I, I think I mean, it's it, R. Is it R? Wow. Okay. Never mind. There's boobies. That's true. There are boobies. I 
same time, and they worked different back then. They used to put boobies in everything. That's true. <laughs> I, I would just say that, like, yeah, Blackie Lawless is a, way more sinister uh, than uh, sleazy, I guess, than they were trying to portray with uh, with Sammy Kerr the way it is done here, though. Uh, I don't know. I, I I like the way that they went up with it uh, with uh, with Tony here, though. Um, again, overall uh, impressions on this one. Mine is that, uh, yeah, the PMRC was right. Uh, heavy metal is bad. Uh, being a fan of heavy metal will lead to uh, somebody being so powered up by uh, your adulation that they will literally kill people. Uh, but maybe I'm wrong on this. Uh, Liz, what was your overall uh, takeaway from this uh, trick-or-treat? Well, I, as a kid, don't bully the metalhead. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, just don't. Um, but now, also, that the, the takeaway is Skippy could really kick ass. <laughs> Mark Price is amazing. And I don't think he's ever given enough credit as an actor. I just absolutely love Mark Price. Wait, wait, what are some other things that Mark Price has done? He's done a ton of television work. Huh. Okay. I mean, I, re- I recognize him uh, from Family Ties, but I, I guess uh, I- I've missed everything else here. Uh, according to the internet, he was uh, part of it. The hosts of Teen Win, Loser, Draw, which uh, mm-hmm. pretty good. Pretty good. Um, Jordan, what, what are your primary takeaways from this one? Yeah, overall, it's a fun movie to watch. I think while it may not be like the most well-known B horror movie of the eighties, it's worth seeking out, even though it's not streaming anyway right now. Um, there are some just generic eighties cliches in it, bullies and heavy metal and things like that. But overall a fun movie. Uh, I, one thing that does slightly bother me is like I know the movie takes place during Halloween, but they do kind of take away the good name of Trick or Treat that probably should have been designated to another horror movie. This it's, could have been something mm-hmm. else. It's a wasted name uh, and I, yeah. wholly inappropriate for this one. But I think that there were actually several other names that this movie uh, was under. Uh, one of them, I think, was Ragman. <laughs> Ragman and Death at 33 RPM. That's a good one. I, I guess and, out of all those, I take trick or treat, but you know, you could have done something else. Like you don't have to be Rocktober Blood, but you could have done some sort of. <laughs> I'm actually very glad that this name. was not Rocktober Blood because that's a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that trick or treat, the, the the title itself, was the, was the selling point because Fastway could write the song titled Trick or Treat? Oh, see, that's a good point there. Yeah, I mean the po- the poster is great for this movie with the oh, jack o' lantern yeah. and the flames. Like it it works to like they make it work, Iconic. but it's just not it's not what you think of what a horror movie should be called Trick or Treat. And I know we have the newer one now with like the little pumpkin baby. I do love Trick the pumpkin. It's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. Uh, I love when the people people ask me for recommendations and I say trick or treat and they'll say, oh, Sam, I love Sam. And I'm like, oh, no, trick or treat. Yeah, we're not doing trick or treat. And they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many like different horror movies now with similar names that you really have to like enunciate your recommendations for people. Oh, for sure. 
Um, overall, yeah, I this was such a fun, uh, campy film for me, and like unlike some of the other heavy metal horror films that we've subjected subjected ourselves to over the years, this one's more of a real movie. <laughs> like there were actual people who knew what they were doing making this. It's not you know. Uh, anything that's gonna you know knock your socks off away with it, say like a, a killer screenplay, uh, but uh, this <laughs> we're so much more competent than some of the junk we uh, we've we've gone through over the years, Jordan. <laughs> Definitely, it's a fun '80s horror B movie that happens to have heavy metal and be heavy metal based without being too cartoonish, and it helps that you have real people involved with it, a small enough budget where you can actually do some things creativity and some spaces for writing and real actors uh, always a good combination of things to have if you can have a movie try to do those things um, but uh, we probably need to start wrapping things up here Liz please tell the folks out there where they can keep up to date with you sure uh, you can find me on Instagram and it's at I hate h8 underscore pretty hate machine also with an h8 you can find me on Instagram at FrightCap underscore. You can find me on uh, Twitter, which I don't use that often, which I'm probably about to get rid of, to be honest. But probably those a good idea. people that, yeah, there's a lot going on there. Um, is I hate also with an H8, pretty hate M-A-C-H, because that's all it would allow me to put. <laughs> uh, and uh, you can also find FrightCap on YouTube, and that's at Dead End Lane, spelled like my last name, L-A-Y-N-E. Uh, you can also find me on uh, the Fantasy Shed Network as well, and uh, all of these podcasts are on Spotify, and um, Fright Cap is on all major streaming services, and you can also find me at the Chattanooga Film Festival's uh, IG and Twitter, which I'm not sure if that's going to be around much longer or not, at Chat Film Fest. There you go. Uh, all of these good things, good things to follow. If you're in um, is it Central Tennessee, is where Chattanooga is. Uh, it will East Tennessee, East Tennessee, but I'm in Central Tennessee. Gotcha. Sorry. Uh, if you are in those general areas, look out for those things, especially. It sounds like a lot of fun. Thank you, um, Jordan. What are we doing next week? Next week we're going to be joined by Cecil from Good Bad Flicks. I am going to pull up. Right now, give me two seconds to find out what movie it was. We're going to be watching Some Guy Who Kills People. Uh And it's on Tubi if people want to watch that with us. Tubi comes through again. Uh, Yeah. uh, Overall, this was so much fun. Thank you for introducing me to this movie. And thank you for joining us today. I had a lot of fun talking about this one. Thank you so much for having me, guys. You guys are awesome. Um, I've been a toilet of a toilet of hell fan since uh you guys put out the white house decorations <laughs> that, that, that the best metal album and i was like who are these guys so i've actually i've followed you and found bands um through you guys and actually met friends uh, uh through these bands that i've discovered with your site so I, and your podcast so i appreciate it oh that is so delightful um everyone uh be sure to follow liz online and hey we'll see you next time Awesome. All right.
You're listening to 66.6 FM. Radio TOVH. The Flush.